Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 35. I have some exciting news, which is that this past week, I went to Dallas, Texas to do several podcast interviews. So I think, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about like, you know, what this project is about and kind of what the future of it might look like. And I have a lot of ideas. Um, I'm not going to talk about them yet because I'm not sure when I'll do which thing or which things I'll end up doing. But I thought one thing that I definitely want to do is to start traveling around and gathering stories from other places. I think I might eventually start doing um, remote interviews, but I really like how it feels to be in person with someone. So I want to try to keep that for as long as possible. Um, but I also want to just, I want to talk to people who are in more places. So I went to Dallas and I had, I did five interviews there in 44 hours, which, you know, it's a lot of interviews in not that much time. Um, but I interviewed some awesome people. I met some people that a, a couple of the people I interviewed, I, I knew previously. Um, but I, I met some brand new people that like, I would have no other reason to ever meet or talk to. Um, and that just feels like so like special to me and exciting. Um, and I can't wait for you guys to hear those. So I'm going to save them. And I think I'm going to release them at the beginning of 2020 as kind of like a New Year's, you know, Dallas series. So you guys can stay tuned for that. Um, I think that's kind of my only news. I'm working on a lot of projects that I'm excited to talk about, but you know, the tricky thing is you have to wait until things are kind of done-ish to talk about them. So, um, you know, I'm doing things. Um, you know, as always, I'd love to hear what listeners are thinking about the podcast. I'd love to know uh, who you like, uh, who you want to hear more of, if you think I can ask questions any differently, um, you know, stuff you'd like to me to dig in deeper with different artists, if you have recommendations, if you want me to come to your city and you feel like you could maybe like help me find some sweet artists there. Um, yeah, you know, I like to hear from you. Okay, so today's episode is with Jessica Day George. She is an author. Um, let me read a little bit from her bio for you. Jessica Day George is the New York Times best-selling author of the Tuesdays at the Castle series, the 12 Dancing Princesses series, and the Dragon Slippers trilogy. Originally from Idaho, she studied at Brigham Young University, where she earned a BA in Humanities and Comparative Liter Literature. And this is not part of her bio, but she also studied like a ton of Old Norse uh, at BYU, which is just cool. Uh, back to the bio. And she worked as a librarian and bookseller before turning to writing full time. She now lives in Salt Lake City, Utah with her husband and their three young children. Um, it was such a joy to talk to Jessica. Um, we got into a lot of stuff I think is really important. Um, yeah. Okay. Here it comes, Jessica. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share 
I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Light and Airy Presets. Light and Airy is created by photographer and best friend team Caroline and Anna Marie, who are passionate about helping business owners feel confident about the photos we share. I've sat here in this studio with so many guests who express anxiety about social media, and I've certainly felt the same way. It's a horrible feeling to feel torn between making art that really matters to you and building skills to navigate several social media platforms. I've been using the Light and Airy mobile presets for several months now, and it's really eased my anxiety about posting regular photos. All you have to do is download the free version of the Lightroom mobile app, download the Light and Airy presets, and come away with beautifully edited photos with just one click. If Instagram scares you like it scares me, head to lightandairyphotog.com and use promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off your mobile presets today. Welcome. I'm so glad that we like worked out our timing. I know the summer can be very, very busy. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of times people ask like to interview artists about like the work that they're doing yeah. and like their most recent thing. And I like care less about those things nice. and want to talk more about kind of like the other stuff. So I like to start from the beginning and start with the question, uh, when you were a child, what was kind of like the very first creative stuff that you were doing and kind of thinking about like as a little kid? I loved to write stories. I always did love to write stories. I was never like, I shall be a great artist. Yeah. Like I had a couple of things that I could draw like everyone does. Yeah. But I think even then I knew like, this is not great, but at least I'm not going to fail this class kind yeah. of. So <laughs> I only drew or did anything like that. And I could, I can carry a tune, but was never like, oh, I must sing or something. Yeah. I like to write stories. I always joke when people are like, what's the first book you wrote? I'm like, in kindergarten, I wrote a, I was supposed to write about my family and it was one of those little books. And see, now they do like fancy things for yeah. kids where they actually get them little like books that they can illustrate the cover. Yeah. We had these books that our teacher had made from like wallpaper samples. Like Aww. she'd taken the wallpaper yeah. squares and like Put stapled. It on cardboard. Yeah. Like, yeah. and like stapled paper into it. And we were supposed to write a book about our family and I still have mine and it's got this incredibly 80s silver wallpaper on it it's like so <laughs> much like my friend had in her bathroom and and I wrote the story about my family and it was mostly about how my sister when she came home every day she would put on her red bathrobe and I illustrated it with a picture of my sister in her red bath bathrobe which was like yeah. this it it honestly looked like a hoodie <laughs> dress. Like now it would be like, cool. It's like, yeah. the, but back then it was like, your sister wears a what now? And I'm like, it's like this huge red thing. She's eight years older That's than so I was. So, like she so she's like, around. so mortified at the time. <laughs> and she's like, she still loves to lounge around and wear comfortable clothes. Cause who doesn't? But it's just like, yeah, this is my family. My sister only likes wearing this one red bath. You robe. knew back then that like that would have comedic impact. Yes. 
I did. And I saved that book. And that was like the first thing I wrote. And I enjoyed that. Like I enjoyed whenever we had to do like sentences with, you know, vocabulary words and stuff, I would try to make a story, like make my sentences go together. And yeah. they were always very dramatic about a girl escaping from a castle or something, you know, yeah. and you're and trying to use stuff like luster and ambidextrous in these sentences yeah. about this ambidextrous lustrous princess escaping from her castle <laughs> yeah and I mean yeah so you had a big imagination as a child and then I think maybe I, I I'm trying to think of like exactly what I want to ask but you know when I when I talk with people about like their their kind of early early creativity I'm interested in like a couple of things and and one of the things is like you know, just how was it starting to kind of like get into your like early identity? Like, how did you feel as like, like, were you kind of owning that? Like, I'm a creative child. Like, I'm a storyteller. Like, how did it kind of? I think so. Um, and I used to think like, am I just a like a, a liar? Like, and I, I was going to say terrible liar, but not like terrible. Like the lies were bad. They were pretty unbelievable, but yeah. I like went for they it. They were well executed but I'm lies. Terrible, like <laughs> constant. Yeah. Like, and I just was like, yeah, this is like people, you know, if somebody asked me, um, cause we moved several times when I was in elementary school and they're like, where'd you go to school before? I would just like, I would go like, I went to this really strict Catholic all girls boarding school. You were just, you were telling stories like in, all in the time. In Idaho. Yeah. Like they're so common in Idaho, these really strict yeah. Catholic boarding schools. They're just everywhere, you know? And yeah. I would be like, yeah, yeah. I just moved here from Boise and um, like, I haven't seen my brothers in months because they went to a separate boys boarding school in Boise and I went to an, like... Boise is so huge. I would never have seen my brother. I never even saw them. They yeah, were just, I just in a totally different part yeah, of town. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, why do you think you did that? <laughs> I have no idea. I think it was because it was Idaho. I'm like, what else you are you going to talk about? Okay, that's why I I'm really wondering, do like, think it was, it was boredom. I think a lot of it was boredom because like, and, and I get asked like, are you ever going to write about your life? And I'm like, like what? Yeah. Because I had a happy childhood. Yeah. Like I was not escaping from anything except maybe boredom. Yeah. Like I had like amazing parents. I'd still have amazing parents. I got yeah. along well with my siblings and stuff like that. And I would just be like, so people would be like, Oh, what'd you do this weekend? And it's like, okay, I watched Saturday morning cartoons. And then I jumped on my trampoline for two and a half hours. Yeah. And then we went to church the next day. So I would go like, well, you know, um, we had a really weird time because like my dad is actually from England and the FBI came to interview him. Oh my gosh. Because like <laughs> the tall tales foreign and they're all, what? Your dad doesn't have a British accent. I'm like, Oh, cause he's hi He's hiding it. No, my dad's from Leighton, kind of Utah, yeah. but I'm all, <laughs> my dad is like, yeah, he's like James Bond. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. So what am I gonna say? I watched Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, my brother dumped a bunch of a bag of garbage on me while I was jumping on the trampoline, and I screamed at him. It's like real fascinating it stuff. Great. So, um, yeah, okay, but um, so like I, I don't know, like I, it's it's uh, it's always tricky to try to like impose a narrative on your childhood because like you know yeah. it's retrospect is is retrospect, but like. Um, surely like the other kids in your class were also equally 
boring. <laughs> so how, how, why do you think it kind of felt like unsatisfactory to you? I do think, and this sounds so rude, but like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude or like diss anyone, but that's the way my brain works. My brain worked in that creative way. Like what would be a more interesting mm. angle than this? And some people are just, were, you know, just very content. Like, oh yeah, we watched Saturday morning cartoons and then we, we went to the fair and like my brain did went, it just wasn't beyond yeah. that. And so like, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, you know, yeah, like oh. that. And there were, uh, and I, I actually, was realizing later, like I grew up with very talented people. I had a friend who was in musicals as of quite a young child, like huge productions. She had such an amazing voice and she still does. And she sings in all these choirs and things like that. And so like I had, and I also had a little bit of competition because I had friends that were like, yeah, I went to this thing or, you know, yeah, my, my um, dance group just won like all state. And now we're headed to DC and things like that. And I'm like, I, watched three hours of television mm. <laughs> so so maybe you kind of felt so like a little, a little bit it was competition and a little bit I wanted to be doing something a little more yeah. fun <laughs> okay so so um this is maybe like just a little diversion but like what are your sort of philosophies about like where creativity like comes from or whether some children are like more creative than other than other children or what do you think about that I really do think it is your brain and I do think it is something that you're you're born kind of with. like a personality type yes. sort of a thing there there are going to be people that are going to look for different angles or who are going to you know artists that are going to you know see an angle of a door and the shadow and think I want to draw that and you know that's just the way their brain is wired and yeah. so there's there's people that are more this way that want to you know describe the world as it is or will look at a leaf and want to think about like oh look at the veins in this leaf and how it connects to the roots and there's that's the way their brain is wired yeah and mine was wired for lying (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean for for kind of like weaving these storytelling we'll call it (laughs) I mean it sounds like that's part of it but also like it sounds like you had like sort of a like I like I don't know if longing is the right word but like just like a need for like more kind yes. of richness or like yes interest and even, or- you know and there's there's all different kinds of of books and storytellers and there's you know there's people that they've got that writing that writing gift or whatever you want to call it in their brain and they you know but what the stories they're telling are realistic stories right. or their poems or something and my brain sort of went like what if a dragon took like me to more, school you know well, I, I'm having this thought like just as we're talking like if someone with kind of like your brain you know was born in like New York City you know with like the same kind of like uh need for like that kind of extra but like born somewhere chaotic or even yeah. like their family was very chaotic yeah. or you know something if like maybe that exact same you know predisposition like given kind of a chaotic environment would tell a different kind of stories you know or- oh totally completely I'm sure that's where a lot of a lot of people are coming from that place as well yeah. and writing. And it's funny to, to hear about people because I'll assume somebody who, you know, is also writing middle grade fantasy, like, oh, maybe they kind of grew up where I did like nice little upper middle class house yeah. and they were looking, you know, to be a princess or something. And then you'll find out they did have this yeah. very 
bizarre, chaotic childhood or very unhappy or something like that. It's like, oh, and you, your brain went almost the same place as yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. Or like people that like, you know, the same books will connect to people from such different mm-hmm. backgrounds. And I'll be like, oh, you know, I just, I loved, you know, I loved the hero in the crown or Robin McKinley's books so yeah. much. And somebody else completely I different books. <laughs> somebody else completely different background will yeah. have like the same reaction. Yeah but sort of for a different reason. And it's so fascinating. This is why like I'm doing this podcast. I mean, there's many reasons, but like, I totally agree with you. Um, You know, when I went to college for music, for, for jazz studies, I went to um, the university of North Texas, which um, it's a really great music school. And, very few Texans go to the school. Like it's the kind of a thing where like uh, it's like 80% out of state or something like that. So I had this kind of unique experience. I mean, I I guess BYU is is kind of similar in terms of states, but, but there's more cultural similarity just because like everyone's LDS. But so I was in this kind of situation where everybody really was like very different, very different. And when I first got there, I kind of had this thought of like, I had this assumption, like we all like the same thing, kind of like you're saying, like we're writing these same books. We must have kind of like a similar background. And it took me like several years to start to realize like, oh, our our arriving at this place, like it, it doesn't. Totally different reasons. And here we are. (laughs) Totally different experiences. Like, you know, this is a, this is a different kind of challenge for some of us than for others. And for some people it's very natural and it's very comfortable. And for some people it's like, I don't know if I like, this is a big, scary. Yeah. So, you know, and then, and then I get thinking about if we as artists, um, can be so kind of like wrong about like how each of us is getting there. (laughs) <laughs> then like thinking about like the public or like, you know, our fans or whatever, or up and coming artists thinking about how those people must be making also a ton of assumptions. Oh, totally. Um, I, I, get, so I get emails from it. people that are like, oh, I read your book and I really like felt for you because I realized that you probably wrote it to deal with this or that. And he'll be like, and like mm, uh, no, mm, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> or like people assuming that someone who like, you know, ends up as a professional artist in their adult like was always very creative or was always confident or was always good at something and like it it happens both ways um which is why like I'm less interested in like where you are and more interested in like how did you get to yeah what's around it because I feel like those are stories that are so interesting um to me uh but but you can't make guesses about it so, okay. So you're a little kid. You're telling all these tall tales because you just like, you need stuff. <laughs> you need things. So, um, how did you start? Like what happened? How did you start getting more? Um, how, how did you start to like develop this as skill more than just kind of like a, a hobby or like a thing you're doing? It was assigned. Okay. Tell me everything. <laughs> I'm so I'm so lazy <laughs> on top of that. I also just think um, <laughs> it's partially laziness, but basically in, in fifth grade when I read The Hero in the Crown for the first time, and then I also sort of, I, I loved it so much. And, you know, and kids books do this a lot and they do it a lot less now, but I feel like we were just sort of handed books. that was just like, here is the story. And there was like zero information about the person who made the story. Mm-hmm. So 
you had no idea. Yeah. Like who wrote the Ramona books? There's a name on there. Yeah. It, it might not be a real person. I mean, I can't remember well, we when I found out about, then. I can't remember when I found out that about Nancy Drew, like that Carolyn Keene was not a single person and stuff, but I sort of always knew. You know, yeah. so you just kind of assume that somewhere there's like a, like a children's librarian yeah. that is trying to write books to fill shelves and use vocabulary yeah. words for children's books. Cause there's just this, here's a book, here's a picture on the cover. There's words on the inside. It's done. And I read the hero in the crown, which had a biography of the author yeah. at the back and like an author's note sort of mm-hmm. about why she wrote it and some things like that. And, and a picture, I think it may have had a picture of her. I, I'm and sure I'm just it like, does. this is a real person. Yeah. And her whole job was to write yeah. about a redheaded girl like me. Yeah. You know, that went out and fought dragons and and had a wizard fall in love with her and all this stuff. And someone paid her money yeah. for this. <laughs> and I thought I could probably do that. Yeah. I can make up stories about dragons so easily. And people living in castles, because our house is very nice, but it was no castle, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I could make up stories and then maybe somebody would pay me money. So I sort of decided at the end of fifth grade, after reading about this and doing a book report on Rob, I got so into it. I did not only did like the hero in the crown as a book report, but then the next assignment was write a biography of a famous person so I picked mm. Rob McKinley so I was like yeah. all in like this was my life so was the but hero in the crown assigned or just a book report and you I picked- had to do it because my teacher was basically after me um because I was not I was into reading because I was very good at it and could read very fast and I get lots of stickers. And if you got, you know, we did the book it program, which pizza hut does still to this day where you got like little stickers and you put them on this button that said book it. And then when you got six stickers for six books read, you took it to pizza hut and they gave you a free pizza. Cool. Yeah. I was so (laughs) into that. So I was like reading for the free pizza and I was sort of reading the same, like I, I loved Ramona like yeah. I loved the Beverly Cleary books and pretty much hated everything else I had yeah. seen yeah and so my teacher was like you have got to read something else if you as if you read a book about a horse the horse would die if you read a book about a dog the dog would die so only Ramona was safe yeah because I didn't want to read about babysitting or psychotic twins and one of them had my name and it was very offensive mm-hmm. to me yeah like I never the, read those either the Sweet Valley High and like because yeah. that was like the heyday that was when they were first coming out Babysitter's Club I think there was like four like yeah. when I was in fifth grade they you know they had just started and I was not into that so my teacher was basically like sort of threatening to call my mother because I just kept turning in a book report on this same one book about a horse that I had read and she's yeah. like you've got to find something else so she made me was pick something misty from her books I did love those and I pretty much read them all. And um, in in fact, the series I am working on now is like very largely informed by, I read her portrait of horses, like that's about different horse breeds, Margaret yeah. Henry's. I read that so many times. I was like this like horse expert. I like, bet we read we, a lot of the same yeah. books as We'll go to the girls. state fair. I'll be like, well, that is an Appaloosa, but that is a quarter horse. You know, I'd be yeah. like <laughs> spotting horse breeds and stuff. And so, um, but, and the horses didn't die. It was nonfiction. So, you know, like yeah. you, there was no story where you became attached to a horse and the horse died. So I kept turning in like the same like horse book, book report, like, and I was actually rereading the book, but she accused me of just like yeah. rewriting the book report. And she, she told me I had to pick something from her bookcase in the classroom, which mm. was like entirely babysitter's club. Yeah. And then there was this one book wedged at the back that had a dragon on the cover. Yeah. 
And I was like, wait, stop. Yeah dragon I might like that <laughs> so I read it I read it it was the sign I did my book report I did this bio of her and I was like you know what? I could do this yeah. this is gonna be my job I am gonna be a writer and I pretty much never wrote anything except vocabulary sentences until eighth grade when we were actually assigned to write a creative story a creative okay cool so like eighth grade I wrote a short story and got an A and then the the English department was doing a little contest and I won the contest and stuff like that. And my eighth grade teacher said to me, the most magical thing anyone's ever said to me, and my parents were so mad at her, but my eighth grade English teacher said to me, the story is so good. You could just drop out of school right now and just be a writer. Yeah. And I was like, thank okay. you. I yeah. will. Because writers <laughs> yeah. don't have to do math. Okay, I have questions. I have lockers. I have some questions. So um, I love that like as a fifth grader, you, I mean, okay, first of all, Robin McKinley's books are different. I like, so that that is something that is- They are so unusual and they're so good. And I don't think a lot of people get them. (laughs) I also had like, I read the like Wrinkle in Time series as like a second grader and was very like, Oh my gosh, more of this, please. And then like, couldn't, I couldn't find more. And I read that in high school. I read A Wrinkle in Time and realized that I had read all those books as a much, almost too young child, probably. Yeah. Like I had a memory of the story without remembering when I read them. I was like, wow, I did not get this. (laughs) Yeah. I think I read it at like the exact right time where I was like, I love books. And then, uh, and then I also like went into like this weird black hole only I, I'm like a little bit younger than you. I was reading the Animorphs books. Oh yeah, you're way younger than me. Um, I'm 31. I used to shelve those as a bookseller. Yeah, like, when they I, were I was reading a lot of that. I never, I to this day have never read a Sweet Valley High or Babysitters Club. So I, I missed. I just, I knew that wasn't for me. But I also like read The Hero in the Crown. I think also in fifth grade and was like, this is different. It really is different. But I love that. Like your fifth grade reaction is like. I can do this. <laughs> I, I think that is kind of unique. So I, I mean, may not be doing it as well, but I, I'm giving it a try. I mean, like, a lot of people, I think, ask artists this question. And, and I am interested in this question of like, where does your confidence come from? Um, and I and I like this idea that like for some of us, it's just kind of like it's in your little personality. It's just yeah. like it's just there's no there's no grappling something, with this question of like something just sparked where I was like. I think this could be the thing that I do. Yeah. And then, and I was very lucky too, because I think a lot of people have that thought and then do not tell anyone Yeah, or, you know, cause they're like, so worried. Like, what if I say I want to be a singer or something like that? And somebody's like, Oh honey, no, you can't do that. Oh yeah. You know? Well that happened to me. I mean, my, my parents were very, uh, my mom, like what, she died last year, but she was a narcissist and like very hard. And I think for me, like, I I think I maybe had a similar personality to you, like off the bat, like was very confident and very like, I was just talking about this with my therapist this week. Um, (laughs) but very, very confident and very like, I can do things. And like, I see, you know, I, I see a lot of things and I have this like vibrant, but then my environment was really like kind of crushing. Oh, um, I know, but we both ended up but as you, professional yeah, artists. So yeah, that's why yeah. I, like, I'm fascinated by you. it. But I, I went and told my family and they're like, okay, sure. Great. You know, that's why like, so. I'm one, I'm curious about it because I wonder like, are these things kind of inevitable? And I think part of the reason that I was so taken with like 
things like the hero and the crown and like jazz music opposed to like, you know, pop is because uh, my family, like I was, you know, kind of a black sheep, which I think a lot of us <laughs> were the black sheep in the family, regardless of whether the family's supportive. But I think for me, um, those kind of like other like non-mainstream things were like a little safe for me because my family didn't know about it. Yeah. And so they kind of couldn't, they couldn't take it, was it away. something that was your own. Yeah. It was something that was your own that they mm-hmm. didn't necessarily care about so you could care about it. Totally. Yes, absolutely. And even if they tried to be like, you know, ha- say something negative about it, it was just like, you don't even know, you don't understand this well enough to insult it in a way that is gonna, <laughs> like, like, you just don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But, uh, but I think I, I sometimes ha- like, would kind of have these thoughts of like, oh, maybe I can do this thing but would kind of quickly be like, no, like other people do these things. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I just like, I love, I love those backstories and how we meander like, you know, into whatever we're doing. So I'm totally like, uh, like, you know, feeling soft for like this child, <laughs> child version of Jessica. It's like, I can do this. I can do this. I love yeah, the it. The rejection came much later. Like this well, is very supportive, very supportive. And then like spent years of people telling me like, you're terrible. At this. So, <laughs> let's, like, let's definitely talk about that when we get there. Um, okay. So then, so you're, you're, you have this thought in the fifth grade and then presumably you're reading a lot more. You're going after like these new things because of here on the crown I started realizing that there were books that were appealing to me as someone who loved to make up stories about what it'd be like to live in a castle and you know there wasn't a lot back then this is like pre Harry Potter yeah fantasy books were not aimed at kids yeah the, what few there were were kind of old yeah. honestly like yeah. this is even H- yeah sort of before the the Dragonlance, the real like, you know, sword and sorcery books were just barely starting yeah. at this time. And so, um, yeah, I mean, like you know, the, like the, the like mists of Avalon books were probably around back they were then, around, but you, you, you don't want to read that as a fifth grader. You're right. You want to read kind that of, one it's a, any age now. <laughs> so, um, but you're right. Like the, the fantasy shelf, like in your school library is like, Oh, there one shelf. Like, there wasn't yeah. one. Like that's it it's was like so there's Lord of the Rings and yeah, there was Lord of the Rings and there was the Chronicles of Narnia and there were the Oz books, which I tried to get into, but honestly, they're creepy. Really, like, I couldn't get into Lord of the Rings. I love like all the other things you know, and not I read that. It for so. the first time in high school, it's my sister's favorite thing in the entire world. She absolutely loves it. She's always raving about it. I I I couldn't read her copies. We had to get me other copies because I couldn't they touch were, were hers. And I was like, meh at the time. Yeah. And then because I don't, I had to read. I was assigned them, but they were my outside reading book. But I actually had an English teacher who for your outside reading book, she listed the Lord of the Rings and you had to read it. Like, you know, somebody else could pick the catcher in the rye, which is like barely a hundred pages. pages. (laughs) And she later said, after I read it in like one weekend, the Lord of the Rings, like over a thousand pages in one weekend and barely remembered what I had just passed before my eyes Mm -hmm. and kind of said like, boy, you know, no one's going to like that book having to read it. Like, I wish I could have just read Fellowship. And she goes, I do that on purpose. Yeah. And I'm like, you do? She's like, yeah, because she's like, it's fantasy. It's not even a real book. So I sort of want you to be discouraged and not pick it. Mm -hmm. I was like, interesting. Later, I was all, wow, that's horrible. Yeah. She was just obviously steering us towards things like, like salinger and stuff yeah. like that interesting 
Hmm. It was the only thing that was remotely fantasy, like on her, you had, it had to be off the approved outside oh reading list. Gosh, and the was... only thing remotely fun in any way, shape or form would have been the Lord of the Rings. You could not read the Hobbit. There yeah. was no Narnia. There was nothing like that. She was like, it was like all the classics, hmm. you know, a tale of two cities and stuff. And so everyone was picking things like Gatsby again, because we'd already read it the year before yeah. and like all the, the shorter classics. And then I have so many friends from high school that were like, it was so interesting in high school how we were all like in this honors class, but then none of us, but you still like reading <laughs> like yeah. a friend said this to me the other day. Cause you're kind of, you're choosing <laughs> these books based on like, not they're what choosing you actually them based on length because who had time for that sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. Cause this was, this was an honors class actually. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> this was an honors class. And so all of us had like, I was also in the orchestra. I was also in a play right, at the time. Yeah. Like we had all these people mm. that were in all these AP classes and all this stuff. And so it's like, pick a book off this list and you have to read it over this weekend and yeah. write, write a paper about it. What are you going to pick? Are you going to pick like over a thousand pages with different languages in it? Yeah. Are you going to pick a tale of two cities right. or are you going yeah. to pick the catcher in the rye? Yeah. And yeah totally yeah. not understand what you're reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at least it was short. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, so you had this kind of transformative moment in the fifth grade, and then in the eighth grade, you wrote a story, and your teacher said this thing to you. Yeah, um, so it was sort of, I, it was sort of like, but until then, it was sort of like, I'm kind of thinking I might want to do that for a job, something with you're writing. Already yeah, ready for it. I was it. like thinking about <laughs> it, and then I wrote an actual story, and it was totally like this fantasy story, and this girl, and her dragon, and stuff like that, and... I had a teacher who I didn't even think know my name that had read, you know, yeah. read it for the contest, stop me in the halls and tell me that it was amazing. And they just loved it and say, have you read, you know, Lord of the Rings? Have you read this yeah. and stuff? And so I was like, okay, yeah. I've got it you were just, or something. You were ready for that like, validation. Yeah. You were like, yeah, it was, it was sort of what I needed. Not just my parents yeah. going like, oh, you're so, you're so creative. You're yeah. so imaginative, but like total strangers kind of yeah, going yeah, yeah. like that was a great kind of story a professional I mean someone who's yeah someone who's a, an authority figure yes. um so then what so what did how did you what happened between like that moment and when you graduated from high school th that you know um kind of was impactful or so I kept going with the short stories because I realized because this was it was I got I got money for okay. this contest. Yeah. Like, like, well, I got oh. like, I got like a gift certificate too. We had a store. This was at the time we were living in, in uh, Rexburg, Idaho. And, um, there is like a, there was a family store and now I, I think they still have them and they're like craft stores, but porters. Was, okay. And I was actually friends with, I'm still friends with the one daughter and stuff like that. And it was sort of like a five and dime or whatever you want to call it, but they had like a whole book department and they had crafts and mm. they had toys and they had like all this stuff. And you got a $20, I got a $20 gift card to gift certificate to Porter's cool. for my story. And I was like, there is money in this. You were reading for the pizza and you were writing for the Porter's gift certificate. I was. And so <laughs> like right after that, the reflections contest, you know, the PTA reflections contest, they do it all the way up through high school. And our, our district was like really into it. And so, um, one of my friends or friends, moms, who was like one of the PTA people was like, you should put your story in the, in the contest. And there wasn't a category for that. So she's like, well, or write something else. So I wrote sort of a personal essay, but it was about how I wanted to be a writer of mm -hmm. fantasy books. And I did, I won and then I won on the state level. And then I, wow. you know, and so I all through junior high and high school, 
just kept writing short stories and entering them in contests and the newspaper had a contest and they printed my story and stuff like that. And I got money. It yeah. was so exciting because yeah. again, I did not like babysitting. So I had no income yeah. as yeah. a child. <laughs> like uh, my options of babysitting were closed to me because I did not like other people's children. Yeah. And so, Same. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a fan of that. I did it a couple of times. It did not go well. The child is alive, but I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. So. Same. I totally so I sort that. of was just, and, and it was like, not just the money, but like the validation of having these, you know, adults yeah. that were the judges say like, oh, this was, I, I had someone say to me on the slide, like, this was so much better than the other stories. Mm. There was yeah. no doubt that you would be the winner. Wow. That's got to feel know, at, like yeah. something when you're in, in high school, I actually, exactly. In high school, I, I did do short stories. Like the reflections contest goes all the way to the, I went all the way national and was wow. honorable mention, like national level. And it's archived in the library of Congress, which oh my is gosh. apparently the only existing copy of it because I typed it out cold on my dad's typewriter. Yeah. Wow. It was also yeah. easy for me. Like I would yeah. sit down at my dad's typewriter yeah. and type a story out of my brain and send it in and they would go, you won. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Like I had so kind of spades. <laughs> like, yes. I was just going to say like to so young to find something that's just like, this is my thing. Like, it's my thing. I mean, not that Good it needs to be it. your only people thing, like but like it when I do this, yeah. like, well, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to kind of have some story of like, I know I was, I knew I was creative, but I, it took me until I was in my twenties to like find my medium you know, or to yeah. kind of realize like, oh, film is where I belong or like, yeah. um, and that's why I like to ask like, what, where did you get your creative start? Because I think some people, they, they've, they've got their thing like right from the time they're four or five years old. I did. And then I didn't, I did. And I sort of forgot about it is what's, it's what's interesting too, yeah, because yeah, did- some people sort of like, they, they try this, they try that. And then they later go like, oh, film, or I know a lot of people that wanted to be writers or work in publishing that they've ended up as editors. And they're just like, I, you know, it took them a while to realize like, I am better, like sort of I'm like wordsmith. on this yeah. side of it. Exactly. Like helping shape someone else's story and stuff. And, um, mm. So all my stories that I was getting like, you know, kudos for and gift certificates and things like that were um, girls my age, teenage girls Mm -hmm. having these adventures. But then you get up into college. That's not cool anymore. Yeah. Because this was still pre Harry Potter. And so this was still the people that write for children are ghost writing Nancy Mm -hmm. Drew files. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. And I worked I worked um, in libraries and I worked in bookstores. And so the kids department was the exact same as it had been. Yeah. I mean, there were some new series, there Animorphs and things like that, but you did get a sense that they were sort of like, like, um, oh, we need a series for kids totally. and about, yeah. you know, computers are cool now. And so like do something, something that can so like were, just have 40 cop, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. like, they're like, oh, kids, they're almost like periodicals. Yeah. Kids love, uh, animals, you know, or like scary thing. stories yeah. and like, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was just reading about, um, R.L. Stein and how, he really wishes he was remembered for being funny. And he used to write Mm. joke books and comedy things. And what hit was goosebumps and he didn't want to be that guy. And I was like, Oh, bless his heart. I love him. He's so interesting. But, but, um, yeah, you don't. Yeah. So I was writing and I got up into college and 
that you, was not cool. You entered to show, college totally confident. To sh- yeah. Right. And then yeah. Yeah. coming off of like a recent, like win of some like this huge contest, like mm. I had just like, Oh, but, you know, that was like how I got into college. Like, yeah. Oh, I've won this contest on the national level. Oh, I just won the, the local university threw open their English departments to anyone. And, yeah. and I just, I just won over yeah. all the college kids with my short story that is one draft that I yeah. churned out the other night. You know, yeah. I went in totally I just picture you like typing, like eh, not deleting anything. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, cause you couldn't. It right. was a typewriter. You're just, I could just picture you like I totally I, confident. I like I got out, this. Like one thing and yeah. had to retype it. And so I went in on this, went in on this high, you know, and, um, and, uh, the only writing class, well, we, everyone, if you go to BYU, you have to take this one like technical writing class, like basically how to write an article or essay. And so if you weren't in the English department, and so I just did that because I was actually humanities. I was actually, um, I ended up in humanities emphasizing like Scandinavian German and literature. Okay. Um, And I read in your bio, you, you did that because it was like going to I mean, it might have all this like richness to add to your stories. Yes. Yeah. Because I it love was that. like you sort of, you went into humanities and it was all this art and, you know. You've got all this like mythology yeah. and like culture and, you, you and history. You had to focus on something. So I'm like, wait, so I could take all these classes on, I took a class on Greek mythology and I took, you know, took classes on like German fairy tales and Nor- Norse mythology and all these things. And they sort of just gave me fodder yeah. and and stuff for my own writing because I knew that's what yeah. I wanted to do. So I'm like, well, I want all this information and I love languages. So I'm like, ooh, I will have to learn to read Norwegian and I'll, I'll have to learn like Old Norse, like Icelandic yeah. basically, like to how to read it and stuff like that. So I just wanted like a lot of fuel for my stories. So I was very confident about like, I was on the path and stuff, but there just happened to be a, a visiting professor. Um, he was, he ended up being there for several years, but like when I got there, he was, it was like, they were only thinking it was going to be there for a year and he ended up staying at BYU and he shall remain nameless. But anyway, um, like he was going to teach like just a couple of, of honors writing classes. Like you had to be like very good if you were not an English major to get into his class you actually had to like sort of apply to get in there and I was like I did like say like oh I've won all these contests with my writing so I got into this class and he made it very clear that writing for children was useless Mm. that like genre fiction like he would sort of mock his wife talking he was very arrogant and like you Ew. think I'm arrogant thinking I'm a great oh boy I mean he was like a, he was like a yeah. self-proclaimed expert on several things Ew. like he talked about himself like I'm the only person in America who knows this and he would dislike other people like Ew. oh there's there's someone in your English department who has devoted their life to Willa Cather <laughs> like Ew. what a waste of their life yeah. and I'm like excuse you my Antonia is my mother's favorite book yeah like you know so he was sort of this big like and but you're thinking but he is famous you know oh, he was he is just yeah. it is the oh special class so it was very clear that writing anything fantasy because he would he was sort of mock his wife because she was also a professor or some kind of teacher and over the summer though she would only read like romance novels yeah like just for fun and he yeah. thought that was such a waste oh my of gosh. her time I, I hate that so I'm like it, it, what I'm writing I'm like it's clearly not good yeah. So I was just like, okay, there is no way I can ever tell anyone that I wanted to write about a 17-year-old girl becoming a princess or something because 
I did not want to be made fun of mm, yeah. for what I wanted to write. And I was like, oh, there's no way I can write about just like, you know, opening a door and you're opening your closet and, and discovering you're the princess of this world full of pink dragons. Like, yeah. I don't want to be mocked. That's oh my not real yeah. books. Can Can we just like pause for a second and talk about like the archetype of this man and how <laughs> these people he even had a mustache. These people I mean, are like, in every, pro- all of our profession. I mean, we all come across these people. There's always that guy. Th- like, this, is a, this is a guy. This is a type. It's usually a guy. It honestly is. Sometimes it's a woman, but Occasionally it's it is a, a woman. And it's always shocking when it's a woman. Yeah. Like, especially but when like, they say that to other women, you're like, where is the support? So one, one thing that, one thing that I'm kind of obsessed with I'm a teacher and I, I care a lot about like, I mean, I think just like, I believe that like everyone is creative, you know, it's not always art. It's sometimes it's business or sometimes it's science or, but like, I believe that everyone's creative and I find it tragic when creative energy is like squashed and I'm sort of obsessed. If it's not your thing that you're creative in, that doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. I just hate that attitude of like, yes, I only write personal essays. Every other type of literature is waste. Oh my gosh. Well, yes. And I, I've talked about this with so many people. It's something that I like, I could soapbox about for such a long time, but like, I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with these places where we lose creatives. It happens at the yes. end of high school. It happens at the end of college. You know, there are these, there are these, it, there are these kind of times when we we lose creatives and so often it's happening because of that guy that guy. Um, that, that that hero type I knew so of a many person people after their freshman year like girls that I had had been in the dorms with that yeah. had switched their majors so dramatically after that first year mm-hmm. and it was like mm-hmm. like shocking like yeah. like what what happened not just like I mean I changed my emphasis in humanities from one thing to the other because I was yeah. like ooh other literature not just English and but I knew people that went from like like music theater, to computer yeah, science. like theater yeah. theater management like basically to um to like chemistry. Yeah. And I'm like, you like chemistry? And she's like, well, it's okay. Yeah. But like what what happened to the theater management, yes. man? And, that sounded cool. And to me, like it's not so much about like, you know, what it is that we're doing, but like the 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 confidence or like the resilience. Like that's the thing that I'm interested in. Because that that way people can self, you know, they can self-manage and decide like, where do I belong? But like, you know, this, 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 um, type that's like this famous, like there's always some clout. There's always some like sense that like, you know, it's not just man on the street. It's someone in a position of power. Yeah. And when that person, you have to show your work to them and stuff, you're like, Oh, okay. And then they're like, no. Well, and when that, that type of a person says something to you that kind of hits you, like it strikes you in that way that you're kind of like, I don't know if this is true, but if this person is saying it, then maybe it is. Yeah. Um, and it kind of like encourages you to like override your kind of own like gut instinct of like, oh, I don't know. That doesn't seem something about that seems wrong. Like it kind of, do you know what I mean? It yeah. sort of like threatens to override your like little spark or whatever it is that you have. Um, I feel like, you know, um, artists who have managed to persist talking to younger artists about that guy yeah. <laughs> and like what do you do when that guy crosses your path because like it's gonna it's it's probably gonna happen and if it doesn't happen like maybe you're that guy <laughs> um, <laughs> but do you know what I mean like I think that's something that, that certainly has happened to me that person that gives you that feeling of like 
you're not the right thing. Like you're not enough. You need to be doing this other thing. What do you think is like the best way? Or like, what would you say? What helped you like, like, you know, have resilience in those moments or like, you know, in retrospect, is there something you'd like to say about like how to kind of not let that thing stop you? I think for one thing, if it makes you unhappy, like, like, okay, if you, I changed to be more like what I thought this guy and other guys like him would take more seriously. I changed to writing. My first novel is very dark. It's unpublished. Most it's all adults. Most of the people die in the end. They do like, you know, save the world. And it is still fantasy, but it's very dark urban fantasy because that was like cool at the time. Like, you know, it was the mid nineties and that was when it was really starting, you know, like, you know, detectives working with sorcerers to solve mm. violent gritty mm. crimes. Like it was that type kind of, of this, novel. Like, noir fantasy. Yes. Yeah. And I was, I was unhappy writing it yeah. and it, felt very unnatural to be writing these adult characters, even though they were my age. Well, they're actually, I made them a bit older than me at the time I started the book. It took me so much longer to write it. And it still is, it's been worked over. I worked over with a writer's group. I have shown it to my agent now years later. And they're like, it's not good. Yeah. And it's not you. And so I just feel like if somebody tells you something, like someone who does not know you tells you something that hits you like a blow Mm -hmm. and not just like you audition, they go, no, I'm sorry, you're wrong for this or something like that. But yeah, totally unconstructive. Like it's not like you're not right for the part. It's like what your dream is, is bad. That is Mm -hmm. a bad Mm -hmm. dream. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like I dreamed of being a serial killer. Like what I was dreaming of was not going to hurt anyone. But I was literally told by this guy after kind of, yeah, like I was chatting with with him, (laughs) trying to be all cool, like after one of the first classes. And he literally said to my face that that was garbage. That was a garbage dream. That that was throwing away any little talent I might have. That makes me so mad. And so, yeah, (laughs) so I just, it was so crushing. I was so upset. And I just sort of like, I went, you know, I was busy with other stuff though. I'm like, okay, when I get out of college and stuff, I'm going to reassess. But right now I was focusing on, I was always taking like two languages at a time. I played the BYU symphony and stuff. So I'm like, I sort of had other things to absorb me, but like, so then when I sat down to write, I, though I could still hear this guy's voice in my head and I was like, okay, these have got to be adults. This is going to be serious. We've got to have serious, like real world stakes and all this stuff. And I was unhappy with it. This was not what I wanted. Yeah. This was someone else's dream and I did not fit in it. Mm. And so if it is not, if some one person who does not know you tells you your dream is stupid, you do not have to listen to them. Yeah. I listened to this guy for way too long yeah. and was writing stuff I would never read. Yeah. If it's, if you're creating art that you would not enjoy that if someone else did it, you know, you're barking up the yeah. wrong tree. That's Bare what I always say. Like if it's you, for you, if you do not like musicals, Evan, you're like, oh, but they're popular and I'm going to sing musicals and you're miserable as you're singing, like people are going to know and it's not yeah. good art. Mm-hmm. If you're like, I would never listen to this recording because I hate musicals or jazz or whatever mm-hmm. it is, then why mm-hmm. are you making mm-hmm. it? Like yeah. if, and I do read some gritty, you know, urban fantasy and stuff, but I sort of read it with one eye closed because I don't want to be well, like traumatized presumably (laughs) if you're reading gritty urban fantasy at very least you're reading it 
you're reading something that was made by someone who is invested in that, that. which is going to come through. And that's what makes it appealing. Like, I I can always tell if someone's like, sort of like, this is a contractual obligation or if someone's like, I was a cop for years and it would have been so cool if we had elves on the force. And you're like, yeah, that would have been awesome. You know, there's such, and you could tell it in my early, I wrote several books that were just like grown up, hardcore, let's all drink and swear to make sure people take us seriously type of thing. Mm. And they were not good. And, but Mm. I looked around and the thing was that, and you can't, you can't write to the market you know, in publishing, because like, if you say like, oh, books, books about, you know, sexy vampires are very popular right now. By the time you write your book, yeah. sell your book, your book gets edited in you and is published. That ship long ago sailed totally. off into the sparkly twilight, you know, all the time so like, pop music. If, yeah. Oh, with music, it's, it's exactly gone. the same. By the time it's you, gone. by the time you write that song, figure that out, record that, get it out to people. People are like, this is like Lily Allen three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like you can't, you can't do it, but yeah. there was such such not a market at the time too that it sort of validated this guy what this guy had said to me yeah because after college I worked at Borders bookstore if anyone remembers good old Borders I do. like sort of like Barnes and Noble um but I There's worked still at Borders, Borders in, in uh, other countries like weirdly in other countries There's one in Fort in, in Fort Union no there's not it's gone now that's not Borders oh no that was one of the first I worked at that store oh. it's way gone oh <laughs> So gone. I Maybe took it's my like kids. the letters are still there, but it's closed. Oh, you can see it, but it's like it's like a Marshalls now or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> there's also a Barnes and Noble that was right by there that you could totally still see the sign, and now it's like and it's not there. It's something else, Ooh. like a sewing store or something like that. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted but like, you. I I did the kids department, so I saw that what I had wanted to write was not there. Yeah, like in such a huge way, like there was, it was not even. It was like. Who would I even, if I wrote a book, I don't even know a publisher that would touch this Mm. because the young adult section when I worked there was still the outsiders and my darling, my hamburger. And like, sometimes they would do a cover of the Hobbit or Ender's Game that was more kid appeal. And that was the whole shelf. Yeah. There was one you know, of that. And it was the same as that I'd been in high school. I'm like, are there literally no new kids publishers? Do they just, just keep reprinting the same thing? Yeah. How does that feel? It was, and it, well, it validated this guy. I'm like, I guess my idea was stupid that there should be more than just the Hobbit as a fantasy for kids, more than just creepy wizard of Oz where people turn into sawhorses and then back into people and never mention it again and things like that. You know, I guess that's all people wanted. Yeah. And so it was, and then Harry Potter started though. And people were so freaking out and I'm like and so was I and I yeah. love it and I'm like yes yes there are other people out it's there so like it's so clear in retrospect that like that empty shelf like there is was not, the hugest not hole a, right, I don't understand how people did not see it's that it's not hole. a sign that like there's no market it's a sign that there's no one serving that market yes like in, in, in retrospect I that's don't very clear how that did not get more traction and before we get too far away from it i just want to say you know my my what i've kind of found about that guy whoever he or she is in in your life or in your profession um you know 
I think that that type of a person has a scarcity mentality. That type of a person wants to believe that whatever they've chosen to spend their time on um, is like the thing. And it's like, there's so much fear of yeah. like, I can't, I can't even understand it and or, or allow the possibility in my mind that that anyone else would find anything else valuable because then that person might not find my thing most valuable. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it is. I um, think sometimes there's a little bit of co- a competitive edge as well. Like, well, yeah. for one thing, they, yeah, they don't want to be like, oh my gosh, what if I've wasted my life? I always think, wonder right. if somewhere in their head, they're like, what if this isn't the, totally. the best? Yeah. So maybe... That That's what I'm I've saying. Wait, like yeah, I've chosen like, to spend my time on something that maybe isn't the thing. And like, I can't let anyone else think that. So I have to like proactively tell everyone like, you are stupid if you want a different thing or if you think about a different thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of this like preemptive competition and this total scarcity of like, if my thing is not the thing, then like my thing isn't valuable. Yeah. And then you have to tell everyone like their thing isn't valuable when really like, come on, there's seven billion people in the world. There's there's plenty of, plenty of, I have actually seen some a little bit too, that is, I've thought, I think this person was being competitive. I wanted to kind of kill the competition a little bit. I've seen this not so much with like, like a really well-established writer or professor or something like that. But I've seen sort of like up and coming writers Mm -hmm. when they've realized Mm -hmm. someone else is trying for that same little niche they are Yeah, go like, Oh no, that's terrible. That won't sell or that's not very good. And you should try something else. And I feel like they are thinking there's only room for so many books on the shelf. And that is not true. We can always build more shelves. (laughs) Totally. Well, and I think, you know, if that kind of a, um, when that kind of discouragement comes from someone who is like, you know, your teacher, like someone yes. that you're supposed to trust, it is devastating. It's so horrible. And it's not, it's devastating to the individuals, but it's devastating to like our culture. <laughs> like it is devastating. I have always wondered about how many, how many people who would have been so amazing got pushed down by that guy? Like, I, and a, I think didn't about it keep trying because they just all couldn't. the time yeah. because I teach. And so I watch, I watch people who are so like sparkly get told by whoever in their life. Sometimes it's their parents. Sometimes it's a teacher. Sometimes it's a boyfriend. Sometimes it's a spouse. Um, you know, I watch people like, that thing like crushed out of them. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I can't say it enough times. It's devastating. It is. <laughs> it's devastating to everyone. So I think, you know, like uh, I know how to talk about art and I know how to talk with artists. So like, this is the thing we're talking about, but like that person is in every profession. Oh, they <laughs> you know, are. That person is all over the place. So, you know, yeah. Like, you know, having that kind of, that qui- even just a little quiet question, which I I know you had it. I mean, like you haven't maybe said it exactly, but like I know you had it because you it got it came back. <laughs> but like even just having that little question of like, okay, well maybe I'll trust you for a minute and like I'll try and like you know I'll I'll, I'll test out what you're saying. But like just having that little thing that's like but maybe you're not right. <laughs> like maybe you're abusing yeah. this position of authority that you're in. Or maybe you're just close-minded and you're boring, you know, like, <laughs> you know, maybe you're not like a, a villain, but maybe you're just like, you're not that creative. 
Um, I just think that's an important thing to tell yeah. people. Like, watch out for that person and just remember, that's just a dude. Yeah. And I think it's... Or a lady. <laughs> we have to keep saying, or it could be a lady. But it's probably watch a dude. Watch out for it's probably a dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's so shocking when it's a lady because it's usually a dude. <laughs> but, like, but I think, too, like, as you say, like, there is the voice inside of you saying, like, this is what I want. You know, this, this is my dream. This is what I'm good at. Like, it's so, why is it so hard to listen to that voice? Why is it? Why would you believe some total weird stranger with a terrible mustache over yourself telling you, this is what I love? Why do you think? Like, why would you? You're young. I think there's, I think there's a lot there. Like, I mean you've been told to listen to the position of authority. You've been told to listen to a teacher. And it's so often like a teacher or a boss or someone that you have to listen to. Especially probably if you're a girl. Yes. You know, and then, and then I think like. A man has told you young lady that this is what you're supposed to do. And so it is so hard to fight against that. And you know, sometimes your little voice inside you is like, eat all the ice cream. And you know you have to not listen then. Yeah, you will be very that's sick. That's true. Sometimes your little voice is not a good So guide. it's like telling the difference between the little voice. It's like, just buy a Costco birthday cake and oh, eat it all yourself. I, do, I think like, you've touched on something really <laughs> crucial, which is like, you're totally figuring right. Figuring out when to listen to mm-hmm. that voice that's like, this dream is the perfect dream for you. And this dream of eating a whole Costco cake by yourself is the perfect dream for you. Like, yeah. Which of those is valid? <laughs> oh, you're totally right. Which is one why of them maybe is not. <laughs> you need a balance of like listening to authority figures, testing things out, but also remembering that if you're going to pursue whatever the thing is you're going to pursue, at some point your goal is to be an authority, which means yeah. you have to also test out, you have to give that some weight too. Um, so how did you start to like, how did that voice start to get a little louder? Harry Potter came out. What else happened? Harry Potter came out. And because Harry Potter came out, um, I, after the hero in the crown, one of the things I discovered was Diana Wynne Jones, who still is not super well known in this country, but if you've seen the Howl's moving castle animated yeah yeah, she wrote the book okay still one of my favorite books and um wrote the book years ago and she was out of print in this country in fact um i loved her books when i was little they were so hard to find that my husband had actually one valentine's day he had paid i don't know how much figured out how to order them online from england she's british and had gotten me some of my favorites like had them shipped over and it was like well before that was just you could get them so easy from amazon you know and stuff and so it was like this huge thing and they were so precious to me and people that were like well in between the harry potter books what else can my kid read they started reprinting a lot of those and they started Mm. actively looking for it and i was just like i was right yeah i was like i was right and it started reminding me of back when i was good is kind of how i felt because at that point I had been trying to get published, but when I finally got a publishing contract, it had been nine years of actively oh submitting gosh. publishing to publishing. I had written seven books and I had been rejected over 200 times. Oh my gosh. How did you deal I with that? I had been rejected. I just kept thinking, but this is all I've wanted. Yeah. There, there, I, if I could just get a foot in the door, I could prove to them, the big capital yeah. T them, mm-hmm. that I am good enough. Because people had read my stuff, you know, yeah. not just like back in the day, yeah. but like I was working with a writer's group and they loved the way I wrote. They hated 
overall the story, but <laughs> like, you yeah. know, and I had read so much, like I was, I'm such a huge reader still. And I was always reading, like looking for ideas and what's good and what's bad and what do I like and not like. And I had read so much that I felt like, like you say, like an authority, like, yeah. I could read stuff and, you know, working at a bookstore, we sometimes got advanced readers copies and I would read stuff and go like, this is not going to be big. This is going to be big. And I could kind of predict some of these things with adult books. Like I, um, you know, murder mysteries and stuff like that. And I wasn't a huge fan, but for some reason I always ended up reading these murder mystery arcs. I like my manager would be like, what do you think? And I'd be like, "Mm, no, this isn't going to do, this is just another police one, you know, and stuff. So I kind of felt like I had a little bit of, not like an, I was an insider because I worked part-time at a bookstore, but like I had read you had some literally thousands of books and I could kind of see what was going to stick, yeah. not become the hugeness yeah. that was that was Harry Potter. I loved that book, but I did not expect like this is going to be a global phenomenon, but I was like, yeah. this is so cool. But so I was like, I used to write a certain way that was better. And I know if I could just get somebody to give me a chance, yeah, I could do it again. I just felt like I want that chance yeah. to like show off. And so I just How kept, old were you at that, at that point? I was, when I got a publishing contract, I was 29. Okay. So I'd been trying since I was 20 and wrote my first novel. And I had, I had also done some short stories and stuff like that. And I'd actually kept having success with short stories, like with um, writing contests and stuff, even into my 20s, like a lot of universities will have one and stuff. And I had actually had some success there. And um, I tried to get some published. And a lot of the feedback was this feels like the first chapter of a book. It doesn't Mm. work super well as a short story, but it's a great first chapter of a book. So I'm like, I know that I've got it somewhere and I need to figure out what I am doing. And I just felt like if somebody would just sort of give me a chance, give me a chance. So sort of looking for somebody else to hand me a publishing contract. Yeah. But like the books that I was writing were sort of written to like what I thought would be popular, like, okay, gritty adults, you know? Yeah. And, um, so like interesting. What happened was I got like 200, like my 200th rejection or something like that. Right. As I was also, I had just had my first baby. He was horrible. He's such a (laughs) lovely human being. Now he was the most horrible (laughs) creature as a baby. It was like, we laughed so hard at Jack, Jack and the Incredibles because without actually bursting into flame or turning into a demon, that was our first baby. And nobody (laughs) believes this because he is the most sweet, soft-spoken, pleasant person as a 14 year old and as a baby, he was a monster. My oh doctor my was like, you should have another kid because God would not do that to you twice. And this one might be better. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't a alone. Yeah. And we're just like, <laughs> he never slept. He never ate. Oh, he no. just screamed all the time and there was nothing wrong with him. He just hated How life. How did you like, what did you do? I had postpartum. I'd just been diagnosed with postpartum depression on top of having regular depression. Full on rejection fatigue. And got 200 rejection letters that I was opening one-handed as I was bouncing this screaming baby and I was just freaking done you know I was so sad and angry and practically hallucinating I was so tired and depressed and stuff just like broken down and of course immediately 
like, and I told my husband I was quitting and I am like, I can't take any more rejection. The baby has rejected me. The ba- Like every, he was two months old. He hated me. I was struggling to like him. It was a whole thing. Yeah. And, and then to have someone and this rejection letter was so stupid. I had written that I'm still working on cause I'd still, I'd like to do it now knowing what I know, but I have been working yeah. on for years, a, a King Arthur story. Yeah. And I had sent it to someone who rejected it because they didn't want to accuse me of plagiarism, but one of their other clients, it was an age, it was a literary agent. One of their other clients had also written a book about this King Arthur person. Only the two of you and ever have he didn't want to say King plagiarism, Arthur. but there, you know, his client's book was out there. It was quite well known. I had to look it up and I've read everything oh about King Arthur. I'd never heard of this. Well, dude. that's what I'm saying. Just like, like, there's so and, much and he's about like, like, and he's like, I know you did it from Guinevere's point of view, but like, um, my client also had a couple of chapters from Guinevere's point of view. Oh my gosh. And again, not want to say plagiarism. He, like twice he said, I don't want to call it plagiarism oh my gosh. Like in this letter. And I'm just like, so I might be the best writer in the world, but everyone else around me is an idiot is honestly what I was thinking. And I'm just like, so I'm done. So I was like, I'm done. I quit. That professor was right. Maybe this guy's right. Maybe I am just the worst. I'm either so good. I'm on another level and no one can understand me or I'm so terrible. I should just quit now. And I told my husband that I quit and I immediately came up with the idea for dragon slippers your first, your first, my first published book. Yeah. And suddenly, and it had been years. I had been sort of working on for nine years, like the same sort of handful of books. Like I kept sending them out and then rewriting them. Like maybe this will be better. I don't think I had had a new story idea in four or five years. Wow. Which just for perspective, right now on my laptop, I have eight first chapters of books that I want to get to eventually that I have done in the last year or two. Yeah. I mean, and you were telling stories all day, every day when you were younger. Yeah. So and you, you suddenly, got into this, like all I could think of to do to be a writer was just keep tinkering with these same books. I didn't like either. Yeah. So I suddenly, like literally the whole book I could envision in my head. And I'm like, this has to be, it is a young girl. It's the only thing that makes sense is that it's a young girl. And it's the only thing that makes sense is if the dragons are sort of hilarious and humorous and you know yeah. they instead of hoarding gold what if you walked into a dragon's cave to steal like you know in the hobbit and he steals a golden goblet and stuff yeah. like that and i'm like what if you walked in to like steal a golden goblet to make money off this dragon and it was just like a shoe museum in there <laughs> like what if you walked in and like like dogs just dogs everywhere just dogs like everyone yeah. like my sister my mother-in-law they've always they had at the time they had like multiple dogs because and I had a dog and I'm just like we're I love dogs so much and I'm like what if this big dragon was like oh I love tiny I love little doggies. fluffy dogs yeah. I could have a little fluffy doggy hilarious and so it's just like that would be so funny yeah. it wouldn't be gritty and depressing yeah it would, it would be, be hilarious. just like full of life And I was almost angry because I'm like, I want to write this story so bad, but if some, that guy with his stupid mustache, like looks at me and is like, well, this is a stupid waste of your talent. I I will will murder someone. (laughs) Okay. I have like, I have three, I have three things. So (laughs) yeah. First of all, this thing that you just said of like, 
I know that this is good. I know that it is. But if one more person, like getting to that point where you're like, it, it's such a weird battle because it's like, you've got this confidence. You have it. But, you, yeah. but you're so tired that so like, tired. it doesn't Just, even. In every way you could be tired, I was tired. Like I was physically tired yeah. and I was mentally and emotionally tired from every angle. Like yeah. professionally with the writing, with the baby, my life, just like every part of me was done. Yeah. I, okay, let's let's get back to that thing because so I, I think that's relatable. Like, I feel like this book idea coming was the inspiration or I would not be here today. Like, yeah. I really feel like I would just be like a stay-at-home mom just vaguely unsatisfied for whatever reason, like yeah. even though my kids are great now. You know, yeah. like because I feel like had I not come up with that idea, I would have quit on my dream. Yeah. Right there. Or if maybe if someone would have, like at that kind of fragile point, if yeah. someone would have like... I am on so that idea in every way blessed and lucky that what I heard after that was just yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I f- think all the time about what if someone yeah. else had come up with their dragon slippers, their Harry Potter. Yeah. And all they heard after that was no, no, no. And they were in a fragile place. I wonder fragile. how many trunked books, you know, books that you've have been written and shoved under a bed yeah. or in a trunk. I wonder how many are oh, out yeah. there that are like. Harry Potter to kill a mockingbird, like something totally. like that. It's I think so horrible so, to contemplate. So many of us get in that place, uh, that, that place that's like, I have nothing left to give. Like yeah. I am, I'm yep. just, I'm so tired and emotionally fatigued. And like my creative route, like I'm, I'm at that the very bottom of that well of resilience. Like yeah. I'm, I'm through it. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what there is to say about it other than it's a thing. It's and, so a thing. And maybe, maybe like the other thing I want to say about it is like, you know, sometimes like the, the keepers of our destiny or whatever careers as artists are the public or are like, you know, these kind of like business professionals, but really frequently the keepers of that are each other. Like yes. there are other artists and I just like a reminder to like freaking be careful with people <laughs> you know, like, oh, or like I, I had some times in these last, I, I've had a couple, a couple of like rough years. Like I mentioned my, my mom died last year and our relationship was hard and I was kind of like dealing with that and there's some other things going on. And I feel like, you know, I would say to someone like a peer or a colleague, uh, Oh, I'm so tired. I feel so discouraged. And they'd be like, Emily, you always like, you'll figure it out. You always do. And I'd be like, but, but I'm so tired. <laughs> but I'm so tired. Why do but, I have to be the one who figures this out? <laughs> yeah. And I think like maybe just, I don't know, we got to just remember. Okay. Now I'm like forgetting what the other things were that I wanted to say. <laughs> I had some things. Oh, I know what one of them is. Um, I do think it's interesting, you know, when we were kind of talking about this, this guy, this, this type, this harmful, whatever person who shows up in our lives, um, you know, you as like a young girl were especially vulnerable to that type of a thing. And I just think it's interesting. And like, you know, you, you maybe, I have to assume that like part of the reason that you want to write literature for that age group is because like you felt underserved in that age group. Yeah. Um, you know, which I just think like, of course, everyone's going to tell you like this age group doesn't need anything because they're not in it and never have been, you know? So I don't know. I just, it's kind of, it's kind of been interesting too, to see how like, cause 
and people talk about how, and now there's such a wealth. And first there was Harry Potter and then Twilight like opened it up for YA. You know, Harry Potter did this for middle grade and then Twilight came along and, and Hunger Games to kind of opened it up and also made it cool for, for adults to be seen in public reading those, you know, that mm-hmm. Harry Potter, I have one of them. They've actually came out with the first three in these like more adult looking covers. Mm-hmm. And I have like the first one cause it was so hilarious to me. Yeah, you're like, cause like, mm, if you don't want to be seen holding this like sort of pinkish book with this kid riding a broomstick like on the train like here is this it's the first one was dark blue and just had this weird has this like kind of weird symbol on the cover and stuff like that and it's sort of like like um you know but they made it okay and they opened it up and then I still see people shocked that people who work in publishing are still actively looking. There are so many holes that have not been filled. There's so like middle graders are actually hilariously underserved because you get like the, um, there is a lot of stuff aimed at, at elementary school kids. There is now like of every kind, just like kids solving mysteries and there's, you know, and then there, and kids dealing with, with family issues and, and then, and fantasy and sci-fi. And then there are, the Hunger Games, the Twilight, the, you know, the almost, you're almost an yeah, adult. Like, like, yeah. Like, what about the junior high kids? Yeah. Like, what about those middle schoolers? And so there's, they're still like, it's so funny that to say like, you know, you find your niche and then you think like, oh, I'm fitted in here and I'm the only one and you're not yeah. ever for anything. There's always yes, room for more. Totally. There's always somebody that's underserved. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, the thing that's maybe just we're almost saying, but haven't quite said is like, children are people too. Yes, they are. Uh, preteens are people too. And they have, teenagers they are have people hobbies too. and interests that, and you know, and I, you're so absorbed as a kid with what is your thing. Like I was so absorbed with, yeah, I, I only care about dragons and, and, you know, horses not dying and, and things like that. Yeah. And I want to be a writer that like, Years later, you know, reconnecting with friends from them and stuff like that, or or people now that are in kind of an unusual career, and they'll be like, yeah, since I was six, I have loved sharks and want to die with sharks. That is so outside of anything I would ever want to do. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. It it never right. occurred to me that other people would be. This is terrible, but as passionate as I was about becoming a writer and reading books about dragons and things, there were other people that were just as passionate at that same age about like bacteria, bacteria, <laughs> world, world war one tanks, yeah. you know, like, well, that's like what I mean. a lot like, of people teenagers have their people too. Like I think as adults, they, as we adults, be we like don't, we think like, teenagers. Yes, I have a career and a hobby and my interests. And like, yeah, so does your six-year-old. Right. Like, they're so not, it's not like everyone this age is the same. There's as much depth yeah. and interest and variety. Yes. I have a middle Why is this surprising to anyone? And I love that they're giving them more choices because I don't remember having... And maybe it was because I was in orchestra and that was kind of my... Had to be my only elective or something like that. Um it's like playing the viola was my identity for several years because yeah. like that took your elective spaces, yeah, yeah, but yeah. having a ninth grader now and like looking at the choices he has and I'm like, they are presenting to 12 year olds. Mm-hmm. And that is so great. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to take ceramics? Do you want to learn this language or yeah. that one? Like, do you want to be which level of math, which makes more sense. And I swear we didn't have that when I was a kid and I just had to struggle along with the smart kids at math, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so I am not a math person, <laughs> but like they, they are offering them choices. And I think it's so great. And so 
but I'm in it because I have that kid. And I think there's a lot of people that don't realize that there are kids his age. He has friends that know they want to be a singer. Yeah. There are kids his age that know they want to be a scientist. Yeah. And so they need to have stuff for them. Yeah. They need to have all kinds of media for them to look at and not just, oh, there is this one cool kid safe website that is all about Louis Pasteur and, and, and bacterias and stuff like that. They need to have more stuff. They need to have stuff they can read. They need to have stuff they can listen to. I I don't know. I mean, I like, I don't have children. I certainly don't have teenagers, uh, but I, but I teach a lot of teenagers. So I'm I'm around teenagers a fair amount. And I swear to you, like sometimes even their parents don't know their people. Like, it's weird. I mean, and I think it's partly like I'm asking them questions as an adult, but it's kind of like I'm a peer. Like it's a weird, I, because I don't have kids and like, I'm a little bit, I'm younger than their parents, but like I'm older than they are. And because, you know, we're songwriting together, I'm curious about like, what are they like? I'm, I'm curious about them in a way that like, you know, I'll watch some of my students have like such depth. And then I, I talk to their parents, like, you know, after a recital or something and the way that their parents talk about their kid to me, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you're missing it. <laughs> you're like, and like, I mean, I don't know, like maybe they're not and it's, and in fairness to parents. It is very hard because they well, have a lot going on. Well, and the thing I'm going to, I was going to say is like, if your parent, like, you know, and also in defense of parents, uh, if your parent isn't like you, Yes. Then you maybe don't talk about that stuff with your parent or, you know, like you maybe don't talk about your, like your, your poetry with your parent because they're not a poet, but you talk to your voice teacher about it because I see this so much at signings and stuff with, you know, parents have brought their kid and the parents that look absolutely baffled, like, yeah, like my kid has this whole thing. This is her whole life or that, you know, he just said to me, I want to be a writer and the parents didn't know. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, cause you've got so much going on and there's homework and other things right. and your career and stuff. Well, and, I, yeah. and I love the parents that are still supportive though, that yes. are just like the dads that are like, well, I don't know where he gets this from. Cause I'm an electrician and my dad was an electrician, but he wants to, you know, he wants to write about like other worlds and, and yeah. magic and stuff like that. And I love it when they're proud Totally. When they're like, and oh, when, he has read so many books this year and they're yeah. all fantasy because some parents come in and they are not proud. And yeah. I'm like, don't be that guy. Yes. Like I look at some of these and oddly enough, it is often the moms. The dads are more like, I am just here to drive and buy you this book. Yeah. And they'll kind of up for anything. Yeah. A lot of times it's the moms that are like, well, almost everything she's read is like so romancy. So I'm just trying to steer her towards like something more serious. Mm. Like, can you recommend any nonfiction to go along with this? And I'm just like, like, why is it the mom that is saying this to her little girl? And the girl is dressed like a lot of times the girls are dressed so spunky or different or something. And the mom just looks like, oh, she dressed herself and it's just been a nightmare. And I'm just thinking like, nobody cares if she's wearing leopard leggings and a polka dot tunic. Yeah. Like, Furthermore, like, the people who do care are probably like, that's cool. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think this so, thing that I'm trying to say too is also in defense of parents, like you, you cannot be the only adult that inspires your kid, which is to uh, like what we're talking about. Let some of us that are, you know, that are artists that are adults yes. or, or scientists or whatever, like serve these populations because you know, there is this variety. So, and I do, I do get a sense there is sort of like a, 
I'm, I'm baffled and almost threatened that they don't want to follow in my footsteps, that I have nothing in common with my own child, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, 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 you know, it would be so hard because I, I like, yeah, I get it. This child could not really read and he's in second grade until halfway through first grade. And it was the worst, hardest thing that's ever happened to me because I could read when I was four and the other two could read at a very young age. And then number three came along and he is his own little man. Yeah. And he is just now in second grade, really getting into reading. Yeah. And I had to like, not like get up in his grill and be like, read this. Now read this. I know you could do it. I know you could do it. Mommy's little reader. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. You know, because you can't do that. Yeah. I don't want him to hate reading because he was forced yeah. to read when he was struggling with it. Yeah. And so I let his teacher be the one that like, and I said this to her, she's like, do you, do you want to try, should we try flashcards? And I'm like, I don't want to be, I'm like, I like, I hate to say good cop, bad cop, because I don't feel like you are the bad cop, but I'm like, I feel like if me who is always carrying a book in the hand and always reading to yeah. him is also the person like standing over him, making sure he is he is reading at level and stuff and his teachers have been wonderful and been like, yes, sure. Let me do this. Like, you know, and he's loved his teachers and it's, he hasn't seen them as a bad cop or anything, but I feel like, like a lot of parents want it to be like, like I should be their hero and their role model and their stuff. And when Mm. the kid is Mm -hmm. like, I am interested in something you have no, no ideas about. Not going to be your hero here. Like that is, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to recognize it, but you do, you do kind of have to take a step back, but I love it when the parents are, even if it's, they have no interest in it yeah. and they're, and you don't have to feign interest in it, but support them in what yeah. their interest is because that is so, so important. It um, is so important. My parents are both, they're readers and stuff, but I mean, this fantasy thing other than my mom's love of things like dark Christmas. And I always joke, like she would always say like in high school, like, why do you only read fantasy books? Like, where did you get that from? And I'm like, first of all, you are the person that bought me a stuffed figment, the dragon from Disney world when I was yeah. four. First of all, you secondly, you are the person that took me to see the dark crystal at way too young an age, <laughs> you know? And cause she does love things like that. But when she picks up a book, that's not what she likes, mm. you know? And my dad very much loves all we, he has read every Tom Clancy, every John Grisham, you know, things yeah. like that. But they were seen reading. I saw them reading mm. and books were important. So when I said, I want to write fantasy books, they were like, yay books, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. do this thing that you love because we love you. And they were, they, they have learned to understand what I am talking about yeah. when I talk about That's weird really conventions great. or yeah. things like that, you know, as, after I made it clear that no, I do not wear like silicon pointy ears and a cape. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But you know, but they're they're supportive without being like, we're gonna show up in a cape to your yeah. signing. Ah, rah, rah, we're the world's best parents. Yeah. Like you don't have to do that. Yeah. You don't have to cosplay to show right. your kids support. Yeah. You could if you want to, as long as you're having fun. But like But the thing you have to do is just like be there for the kids. Yeah. That like they ha- can talk just to. have enough curiosity yeah. to think like maybe there's a whole world that I don't know about yeah. that has plenty to offer my child or my student or, yeah. you know, the kids, um, the kids in your life need, need support without like, you don't have to go all, yeah. And the, whole hog, and the but, adults in your life need support, you know, yeah. I mean, just in general, like having these kind of 
just staying kind of curious about like, what are you doing? What are you up to? What are you into? I remembered what my other thing was. Um, okay. When you have this, when you have this moment where you're like, um, okay, going back to like, you're getting all these rejections and you're having this kind of idea about like the dragon slippers. That's what it's called. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe having this, you said something earlier, like if, if, if nobody buys this, I am going to be so angry, like so mad. (laughs) Um, I also think this is a relatable moment for some of us who are writing things that are either niche or not popular or writing, doing, drawing, whatever, whatever medium. Um, how do you deal with this feeling that like, you know, that what you're doing is good, but you kind of have this feeling that like your industry is like broken. <laughs> like, you know, Cause that's what it, that is, right? It's not that you're like, maybe I'm not good. You're like, I know this is good. I would read this. I know there are people who would read this. Why, why doesn't the like infrastructure of like my profession, like, why aren't you getting it? Like, how do you deal <laughs> as an artist with being kind of one of those people that's sort of like right on the edge of like a new thing? You have to find that person who also gets it. You have to believe that you're not the only person in the world that is going to like that song, that painting. I mean, if you are, then it, it is really terrible. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, you're right. You never, you never are. But like, I know, I mean, like this, certainly this is a thing that happens anytime so, a market is about to kind of branch out in a new way. There are yeah. those people that are right on the edge, like, why aren't you getting it? <laughs> Because you always, because I had been lucky enough to run into people like you, like sometimes I have gone to whole schools, like to talk at schools and said here in the crown and gotten like black looks and kind of yeah. asked like, has anyone else read it? And not even the teachers raised their hand, but that is very unusual. Very, very unusual. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, cause it is an old, it is an older book. And if I'm talking to younger kids, they maybe have it, but I've also gone to schools where every teacher raises their hand and some of them are clapping like, yes, my favorite. So, but I just, I knew cause you know, I would be like, Oh, I'm such an oddball. Like one of my favorite books is, you know, this. And then every so often you run into that person. that's like, Oh my gosh, that's also (laughs) my favorite. Me too. You know, or like, like I say, like I, I had been to, I'd been to writers conferences. I'd been to a couple of, uh, world fantasy conventions, which is, you're not supposed to dress up. It is more like a writer's conference, but it is all fantasy. And so I had not only met people who are writing stuff so weird that I'm like, I don't even know how you could write that down on a page and like that would work as a book. And this was happening before you got published. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's like, so I had been trying, so I had run into people. Yeah. Yeah. I had met people that did express interest, even in the bad books I was writing that were like, Oh yeah, I like that genre. Okay. So I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. so there is something here. And I had met enough people like around and I had had family and friends read my, you know, my old stories and stuff. So I knew that there's gotta be somebody out there. And I had gotten enough good rejections. So like Mm -hmm. some of my rejections Mm -hmm. were like, this is terrible. Please never send me anything again, you know, and they were that guy and stuff. And then I had gotten some rejection letters that are like, you have great writing skill, but this story is not for me. Or I had actually gotten a couple of rejections that said, I love the idea of this. I do not believe these people are adults. They feel more like they would be teenagers. And instead of my first book, they were actually um, like graduate students. Yeah. And so I had someone actually say, if 
I did not find this believable in any way that these were graduate students. If this was like a private boarding school or something like that for, you know, and they were teens, I think it would be much more believable and the story would come together better. I don't publish that sort of thing. So good luck to you. Wow. So I had actually had people tell me basically that market doesn't exist yeah. at the time. Listen, or this needs to it be YA, them. but we don't do that. This needs so. to be YA. We don't do that. Or yeah. like I'd had someone say like, have you thought about publishing for children? Because I feel like these characters should be children. And one of my books that was a very weird concept book that I still kick around every so often, it was actually just a bunch of connected short stories. In half of them, they were in fact teenagers and then half of them it was like years later when they were adults Mm. and I had had someone like just at a convention like a you know giving me some critique say the good stories are the ones where they're kids um I have no idea how you could sell a book of short stories about children wow so good luck you know and so I got enough like when I came up with the idea that like oh my gosh I'm gonna go ahead and write about this teenager and her dragons like I know there are people that like that and I know there must be someone in publishing that would still There's do There's got to be someone, yeah. And also, you know, Harry Potter was out and there were, and some more fun things were happening. I'm like, there has got to be one person that will still or is looking for something yeah. like this. And so I know there's, I knew that there were people out there. Yeah. I'm like- You had actively I had, kept yes. like those, can you know- um, you had actively found like and yes, looked for I those had people. Gone out. I was I was in a writers group. Um, I'm not now just because mainly I don't have time. Yeah. Um, and I'm also terrible at giving critiques. To be honest, like I either like it or I don't. The, there's no in between. Yeah. And so I can't help you fix it. <laughs> like, so, you know, so like that kind of thing is what I was, yeah. was telling people like, well, I just didn't like this. Good luck to you, you know, kind of thing. So I'm terrible at that. But so I actually, I did know. And I knew, I also knew people that like liked such weird stuff Yeah, that I'm yeah. like, or had written such weird stuff that I'm like, if there, if, if there is a for market that, for that yeah. crazy thing. Yeah. There's got to be. I, I think just that all frequently. My sister and I still talk about, she went with me to to the world fantasy conventions that they have like an art show and the one featured artist this one time, it was the most disgusting, gruesome, like, you know, like, you know, you f- picture a lot of fantasy art and there's sort of like the girl in the it's gold like bikini little... riding the, yeah, riding yeah. the dragon type of thing. Yeah. This was like that, but like, it was like dismembered Ew. bodies in gold bikinis. Like it was very violent towards women. It was very horrible. Ew. It was very horrible. And like, almost like, should we call the cops on this person? Ew. You know what I yeah. mean? And so it was really, really horrible. It was just, and he was the featured artist. Oh they had seen gosh. his art and chosen him to come. And, and as we walked through the gallery, every one of those pieces had been sold. Oh, <gasps> And so there were like all these terrible, they looked like terrible, like, you know, like heavy metal album cover type of art. Like literally a dozen of these had been sold over like a day. And I'm like, if that guy could sell a painting, you know, there is a weirdo out there for everything. Weirdo (laughs) out there for me. Um, Okay. So uh, is there anything you want to tell about like getting that first book published? Or do you feel like we've already kind of, we t- I think um, we've covered like everything up until like. How I did it is in such an unusual way. I feel like I should quickly, okay. like how, what actually happened was 
because you know everyone everyone's path to publishing is different and it's different now it's been over 10 years you know and stuff but I still feel like um I got published in kind of an unusual way that I do recommend okay uh because like we're saying about world fantasy and stuff so when I went to world fantasy I would go up to editors that I admired and it, it it's a it's a networking it's a it's yeah. a thing I would go up and say I've written a book about King Arthur and stuff like that and I did in fact send that book to several of those people um and so when I wrote this story, I wrote was writing Dragon Slippers, and I was originally thinking, I will only write this for my son. If he ever stops crying, I will read this to him. Because I didn't want to be that yeah. rejection. I fell so yeah, in love you, with this. Oh, it was yeah. like back when I was typing on my dad's typewriter, yeah, my little yeah, short yeah. stories. It's I so loved vulnerable. I was laughing. I cried at the end. You know, I was in yeah. love with my own story. So I knew that I loved it and it was good. And I thought, and my dog was in it. She was, she's one of the characters. My oh dog, my gosh, I, had the I love time. it so my much. Sister's Russian wolfhound is one of the dogs in there, you know? And so I was like, I, I didn't want to get rejected because not only you would that be too it. many, but yeah. also that's like saying your dog is, you know, I hate your, your dog, your baby, your, my, my baby, you're <laughs> my like, baby but actually ugly. my baby is <laughs> rough. You guys, <laughs> so, so my fur baby, you know? And so I was so scared of getting rejected that on the one hand, I was literally writing it just for me, writing it for my son, writing it. And I'm like, you know, my parents are still so supportive of me until everyone, you know, Jessica's working on a book again, you know, and my husband always so supportive. I thought I'll write it. I'll bind a copy for them. But I was so in love with it. I couldn't shut up about it. You know, I was telling everyone I was so like, I was feeling so good now. And I was on medication for the depression and I was feeling great. So everyone I talked to, I was like, oh yeah, the baby is terrible, but let me tell you about this great story. You know, So a friend talked me into, because I couldn't shut up about it, coming to a um, writing, the writing and illustrating for Young Readers Conference, which is in, in Salt Lake or Provo every year and is wonderful and pitching this to a, an editor, like direct face to face. You have 10 minutes to tell this person about your book. And I, my husband and I made a pact because he did not want me to hear no. He was so scared that I was going, that was going to be the mental break of all mental breaks, you know? And so he's like, what if you just went and you'll have friends with you and like, just sit there with your friends. And then you just tell this one person about your book. And then if she says, no, maybe you do take a break, you know, maybe you do just write this for the, for the kid and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And she said, oh, that's interesting. And she said, I really like that, you know, and send that, send me the whole manuscript. And then the girl sitting next to me and all my friends had bailed on me. I went and showed up thinking, at least I will have have solidarity of my people. And like literally the woman from my writer's group that told me about this was sick that day and bailed on me. And the only other person I recognized there who had worked at book borders with me went into the other room with the other editor. I'm like, no, what? But um, (laughs) so, so I was like all alone. And then this girl next to me grabbed my arm and goes, I need to talk to you. And she had just had someone bail on her in that she was setting up a writer's retreat, just 20 people. They wow. were going to pitch all pitch in and pay for this editor from Bloomsbury who had worked on Shannon Hale's princess Academy, um, to come to Utah and just meet at someone's house. So you really could get good feedback face to face with this editor, just 20 people. And she had had number 20 had just had to bow out. Yeah. And she's like, I need one more person so I don't have to raise the fee for yeah. everyone else. And 
this is the editor who worked on Princess Academy that had just gotten the Newbery honor and stuff like that. And she's like, she she also does the Frog Princess books by Edie mm-hmm. Baker. How perfect would your story about a talking dragon be for her? She's like, all the other people that have signed up, none of their books are like yours. They're all like, they were all mostly like sort of contemporary YA, like girls, you know, dealing with prom or other issues yeah. and stuff. And she's like, you're the only fantasy person I've met. So yeah. come to this. So I gave a total stranger a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. And we're now dear friends. And yeah. she's also a published author. Her name is Amy Finnegan. But um, <laughs> we became great friends. And that's one of the most amazing things that came out of this. But I became yeah. friends with so many people. I went to this like one day or two day thing in a total stranger's house with 20 people. And I sold my manuscript to this editor. Wow. Of those 20 people. And I was the late one and I didn't know yeah. anyone there. And they were all kind of oh buddies gosh. and stuff. And she's like, I love it. I love it. Send me this manuscript. I'll send you a contract. This is great. Oh my gosh. And so I got published. So I didn't have an agent, but I did have an editor. And so this is the other thing I recommend. You absolutely do need a literary agent, especially nowadays. You used to not, it used to not be a thing. And I know a lot of children's book authors that have been published for more than 10 years or so that don't have agents Yeah. or didn't until very recently. It is, it is a huge field now and you absolutely need an agent. And what happened was I had at the writing illustrating for young readers, I had met the agent that they had there. Um, she had just moved here from New York and was just kind of setting up on her own. She was, she'd been with a bigger agency and, um, I kind of met and talked to her and she's like, I'm not really into fantasy, but you seem nice and stuff, but, um, I don't do fantasy. And, uh, when I got my contract, I looked at this contract. And if you've ever seen a publishing contract, terrifying. Yeah. Like I'm sure, you know, anytime you say contract, it's like yeah. hardcore. And it is just absolutely what you would think of like something from a TV show where it's like the party of the first part here and after like, known oh. as client A and the party of the second part, the publisher here and after known as B like agrees to pay. And there was just stuff and like clauses about like, if there shall be yeah. electronic copies, which this is before eBooks. And there was like, like something that's that? like yeah. electronic copies for educational purposes. And I'm like, I didn't know if what that yeah. meant. Floppy and I, disc. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it was for like, if kids read it and they take a quiz at school, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was like a weird thing. Like if a school buys copies of your books and they make an online quiz or something like that, wow. or yeah. it wouldn't have even been online. I swear at the time. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is pre Facebook, even. but like, I didn't understand this contract was almost as long as the book. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I might be telling, selling them all the rights yeah. to use my characters forever. Yeah. I might be saying that my name doesn't go on this. I have zero idea. Yeah. I don't think that this person I just met is evil and wants to take away my story. But how do I know? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, and so I, um, I called it. I actually called a friend of mine who's an attorney and I'm like, would you read this contract for me and tell me if it's okay? He goes, no. He's like, I hate publishing contracts. He's like, everybody I know who's a lawyer hates publishing contracts. None of us will touch him. And I'm like, well, you're useless to me. Thanks for that. Yeah. Anyway, so you, so I called agent? that agent yeah. that I had met and I'm like, I, I, I'm like, listen, I know that you don't do fantasy fantasy, which is funny to me because she was actually Shannon Hale's original agent and had done her first few okay, books. Yeah. But she's like, but I just... I just like, I don't do like the sword and sorcery. I mean, like, you know, sure, a little magic and stuff. But she's like, I 
would be happy to read your contract. So I actually paid her $200 to just negotiate the contract for me. Wow. So she did all the negotiations and, and I had actually verbally agreed to some of these things over the phone when I was given the contract that I did not realize was like, yeah. I was so excited. I just kept screaming. Yes. And when yeah. she called and was like, okay, I've read the whole thing. And for sure the contracts in the mail, I was just like, yes, yes, yes. And I had verbally agreed to like the advance amount. I had verbally yeah. agreed to several things. She's like, well, Jessica and I already have an agreement. I was like, Oh, I, but I didn't know. I didn't know that I was saying yes to a, a contract. I just yeah. thought I was screaming and saying, yeah. you know, so it was kind of funny. And, um, I mean, and not like they were trying to hurt me in any way, Yeah. but when she, she gave me an offer over the phone and I was dumb and just saying yes to everything she yeah. said over the phone, which was part of the contract. And I didn't mm, know. Yeah. Cause I was Why would you know? Dumb well, first time never, person. Well, yeah, so. I mean, if you've never, well, and this is such a thing when we're talking about like moving art from like a thing you're doing to a thing you're making yeah. money for. It's always like this first time, you know, yeah. at some point and like, well, and one no of the idea. things, one of the things that I stuck on with the contract too, was that it, I had assumed since the girl was a teenager um, and there's there, you know, there's some romance, little light romance sort of and stuff. And there was actually a little bit more. Um, I had assumed that it would be YA and the contract kept saying this middle grade book. And I knew middle grade was like first couple of Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. And like not quite magic Treehouse, but you know, and I was like, Oh no, 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 uh, this is wrong. This is a little older. And so I, like, and so speaking of marketing, so then, so, so Amy, my agent, like, um, talked to them about like some of the things that she's like, well, you said this is why they say it's middle grade. So I'm going to talk to him about that. She, you know, asked me like, what are your points that you're, she's like, you've apparently agreed to the money amount, but not the royalty percentage. She's like, so I have wiggle room there and, um, which is all fine. And it was all, it's actually all very standard and everything. It's not like they were trying to like yeah. beat me out of money. But you that, just didn't know. that was like what they, she's like, Oh, I wonder if I could get a little more money for you. I'm like, Oh, that would be great. She's like, yeah. Oh, you said yes to that. Later we found out that is what they offer every every first time author anyway. So it's not like they were trying to shaft me or anything, but like, um, but just with, she's like, okay, let me talk about some of your concerns. And you know, it is, it is why it is middle grade, you know, all this stuff. And, and I'm like, no, it's YA. So she talked to him and like you were saying, they're like, but the thing is, it is a book about dragons. It's a oh, book I about see. this. Ad it's an adventure story about a young girl and her friend who's a dragon and they fight with dragons and all this stuff. They're like, do you realize how much tween boys would go for that? They're like you have this book about dragons. And if we market it to YA, they are going to assume it is for teen girls specifically mm. they're like the YA marketing is a little more a little more gender specific mm. and or you know and it was at the time and they're like if we market this to middle graders and they're like honestly we have to take out like like one mention her friend sneaking out to meet with a boy they're like that's maybe a little bit too much it's you know too risky it's a bit for too much so they're like if we take that out there is no reason why this cannot be preteen yeah. And they're like, and the people who are going to go for this type of adventure story, you know, swashbuckling and dragons ripping the roof off of palaces and stuff. This is so, so great for middle grade. And I was like, oh, and I don't know. And so like you're saying about like 
And I was totally cool with that. I'm like, okay, sounds great. And so it's been very interesting. One of the most interesting things I've learned now 15 books down the line is I often start writing a book and ask my agent or and or editor what they think it is. Mm, mm. Because I have had um I have had several books that I thought were solidly YA just because of the character's age that they're like, as long as you don't come up out and exactly say her age. So it has yeah. to be in the teen section. This is so much more a middle grade adventure yeah. story. Cause I just write like the story idea I have like, yeah. Oh my gosh, what if I retold this fairy tale or, Oh my word, what if this girl, like what if they thought all horses were extinct and she found some or something like that. And then I'll go like, so what do you think? And th- from a marketing perspective, yeah. they know like, okay, that type of book is much more popular with slightly younger readers and this is more popular with older readers and it's very interesting because I just feel like I'm the artist and I just put the words down and then like sort of the rest of it is like and I am totally cool without somebody saying to me like this is and it took me a while to get there is the thing like I sort of fought against it the first couple of books because because I was coming from that place of like only art for adults is legitimate I I basically felt like, well, I'll bring it down just a couple of years. Only art for older teens is legitimate. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so to accept that I write so well, my niche really is like such candy for those yeah. middle schoolers and yeah. even younger kids. And it's so much more fun to do that and yeah. just be like kids dodging their parents so they can have this adventure because parents won't let you go on an adventure right. like that, you know, is so much more fun. And so to sort of like get off my own high horse was very hard. And that's mm. the one thing that I sort of say to people, like if somebody is telling you, you know, this would work so great as this type of thing. And you have just have your heart set on like, I just have my heart set on writing a, a YA dystopian. And people are just like, that's not that's YA. Not or oh, like, yeah. that's post-apocalyptic and dystopian are two very different things. Yeah. Like, you know, when you label yourself, sometimes you can be wrong and yeah. you kind of have to accept that. Like, you know, the, the style that you're doing that is not that style you think it yeah. is. That's so interesting. Like, Okay. Yes. That's, that was like my vanity thing. And it's like, that's the one place where your vanity, you know, you should have the vanity to say like, I am good at what I do. Yeah. But like, I think sometimes you have to have the vanity to say like, I'm doing this other thing that I didn't think was cool a few years ago. Yeah, totally. Well, and I'm sure that like, you have to have the, you have to have the humility to say, I actually am a children's book author. You know, I love it. I think that's great. Well, and I mean, it wasn't like your fault that you felt like literature for adults was the only good kind. Like people told you that. So I was told that. <laughs> um, so I just want to kind of have, ask you one more question, which is, and it's a little broad. So um, it's maybe not like a question, but I want to talk about like now, like today, how does your identity intersect or interact with like the art that you make? Like, do you feel do you still feel like any sort of breakdown between those two things? Do you feel like, um, and, and, you know, you can talk about whatever's interesting to you within this, but, but maybe also when you introduce yourself to people and say, I write, you know, literature for middle teens or whatever you say, like, how does it feel the way people respond? Like just, what's the state of your identity and your art that it is totally it is totally my identity and I just like and I really 
we actually live in a really amazing time for having like an unusual job or interest. Yeah. Thanks to internet. Because of, yeah, I know. And like the comic con things that, you know, it's okay to admit I read nothing but Harry Potter over and over and I wear a Hufflepuff tie every day to, you know, to, to work and stuff like that. And so it has actually gotten easier to say, yeah, I write fantasy books for kids. Yeah. Like, because at first there was a lot of sort of that guy of like, and I did hear even from other authors, like sort of the whole attitude of like, oh, maybe someday you'll be good enough to write oh for adults. Like yeah. even other authors have said that to people. And um, he shall remain nameless. I, I adore <laughs> him. He's a great person and he's a wonderful writer, but a very, very famous writer actually said and he's, he's a friend of ours and everything and totally oblivious in his oblivious dude way. But a famous author friend of mine said to Shannon Hale, you know, Shannon, I read one of your books and it was really good. I think you, you could probably write for adults if you wanted to. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's just like, thanks for the tip. Anyway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was my favorite thing. She told me about it like the next day. She's like, do you know what so-and-so said to me? I'm like, shut the front door. What was he thinking? <laughs> I'm like, we should call his wife and tell him he's saying that kind of thing. But, oh my gosh. Um, well, that's kind of what I was saying before. Just, like artists yeah. are each other's like, you know, keepers sometime. Like you gotta, sometimes there's, you need to be nice to people. There's this, there's the super supportive, supportive rah-rah people. And sometimes there's people that it's like, Dude, they don't even mean like, to say something that you're yeah. like going to think about for the next five years. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, and it's funny when they're, they're oblivious. Cause it's like, have you not taken the slings and arrows that I have taken that you can say to someone like some people like, haven't, but like yeah. I have heard people like say like when somebody's saying like, Oh, I'm writing, you know, I, I, my next book is going to be a dystopian YA or is, or is based on this video game or something like that. And they've gone, Oh, is that still a thing? And I'm like, why would you say that to yeah. them? Why would you say that? So, um, but like I, it is because I am such a huge reader of this type of thing too. And it's so nice to sort of, I guess, let my freak flag fly and stuff like that. Yeah. So I really feel like this, this is my personality and I, I have zero shame about sort of like introducing myself as this is what I do yeah. because it is, it is my life. I mean, it is, it is a, it is a full-time job and it is, you know, and I travel for it and it is every, you know, waking minute. Like I am thinking in my head, like about the next chapter yeah. that I have to write and stuff. So to sort of compartmentalize it or, you know, I don't think it would be healthy basically. Yeah. Well, especially so, because it was like your fifth grade dream. I mean, it, it was, was like, it was my like dream and met I, full circle to that. So I have really started acknowledging recently how lucky I am that I am now the person getting paid to write about dragons, Yeah, you know, you did and it. like I did it and it, it sort of like was a slow hit. I mean, obviously when I first got published, I was like, Holy crap, I'm getting <laughs> oh paid gosh. to write about dragons, you yeah. know, but like, just as you know, as the years go on and the, the more books come out and sort of the shine can wear off a little bit, but like the shine is sort of coming back for me as I'm realizing like, no, yeah. this is still happening. I am still getting paid I to love do that. this. Yeah. So, and it's such you a, haven't just done it. You've done it 15 it's, times. It's, you know, I'm not like my house has like, uh, like a sea serpent topiary in the lawn or anything like that, which would be cool and I would actually like that but yeah. you know what I mean like it's not like I <laughs> yeah. live in in Willy Wonka's factory or anything yeah. like that but it is 
a part of my life. Yeah. Our house has books in every room because we're such big readers. And um, when, you know, teachers, my kids' teachers ask me if I, you know, can you volunteer? And I'm like, I, because I travel and because I am working full time, I can't come in every week and help with reading or grade math or anything. But I will say to them, I am a writer yeah. and I write for this age group. So if you would like me to come in once in a while and maybe talk the kids through writing their own story or talk to them about fairy tales, I could totally do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have done that for my kids' classes. And I've started and I've started introducing myself. And actually, um, and it's because of Ann Cannon several years ago. Ann Cannon, who's a wonderful writer, and she writes um columns for um the Salt Lake Tribune. And she's also written some wonderful, wonderful novels, uh, middle grade novels, a picture book. She's so great. And her husband got after her at, they were at a party and someone asked her, you know, who she was like, oh, who are you? And she first introduced herself as his wife. Oh no. And then introduced herself as the mom of five boys and then introduced herself as, um, her dad was Lavelle Edwards. And then, uh, but, Oh, you know, you've probably heard of my dad is Lavelle Edwards. It's the famous coach from BYU that now the stadium stadium is is named named after him him and stuff. And so she, and then she said, Oh, and I, I work, um, part-time at the King's English, uh, bookstore. And then like the sixth, the sixth thing she said to this person in getting to know them was I've written several books. Wow. Yeah. And her husband was overhearing this and was just like, and the sixth thing yeah. you introduced yourself to at this party of like professionals and stuff was that you are a writer. Yeah. Oh, man. And she wrote a whole column about it. That is absolutely wonderful. I would love to about, read that. Yeah. It, I it's, to, like, remem- help me remember. Yes. Okay. And she's, she's actually recently um, put out a book of, her columns. Oh my gosh. The thing about it is, or something like that. But anyway, if you look for Anne Edwards Cannon, she's recently published a book that's basically a compilation of some of her best, like nonfiction, like columns and essays. And they're wonderful. And she talks about that. She did not introduce herself as a writer until her husband told her she should. It was the sixth thing. That's like, that's, and I, I read that when I was first starting out. And so I was like, and I just recently said this to another friend who's an author who's been around almost as long as I have that just like, do you introduce yourself as, because yeah. I've gotten called on this by other authors, like yeah. oh, Jessica, like does everyone in the room need to know? I'm like, why shouldn't they? This That's is who what, I am. This, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Like, hi, I'm Jessica. I'm a natural redhead. Like I who cares? Love like, this <laughs> answer. I like, cause I, you know, I ask, introduce yourself as what you are. I ask this question, like or a version of the question to pretty much everyone I interview. And a lot of people are like, you know, I've never introduced myself as an artist. It is who you are. Yeah. And like, yes, you are also this person's wife that, you know, you might be that person's mother or the owner of this darling dog that's been sitting at our feet. But, um, I mean, it obviously yeah. in context, and when I'm standing in my kid's second grade classroom and someone goes, who are you? I don't go, well, I am the New York I times bestselling author, author yeah. of 15 books. I go like, well, I'm this kid's mom, you yeah. know? Yeah. The one sure. attacking your child. No, well, no, I know what you mean though. But I, but I also think this identity thing is really tricky because if they're asking who you are, not yeah. like, why are you here? Like, yeah. oh yes, that is my dog. Like, yeah. you know, or that I also, I'm here like, with my husband, but I like, totally who are you? What aunt, like, I totally get like and listing at sixth you know yeah so the like, the article is about like 
talk like thinking about like who who was she who is she and so I'm just like you know who am I like and I love I've started recently when people ask me for biographies like for something short punchy for like this event and stuff I've started just sort of listing like who I think like and first and foremost I usually put is because it's if it's a professional thing I am a New York Times bestselling author yeah Yeah, I was on the list for one week okay and it wasn't number one fine but I am a New York Times bestselling author yeah it is huge and I'm so proud of myself and my family is so proud of me so I say like I am a New York Times bestselling author I of over 15 books that is what I've done. I have a husband. I have three kids. I love dogs, especially the tiny fluffy ones. I'm a knitter. I like dark chocolate. That's what yeah. I started putting as my bio. Cause it's like, wait, who are you? It's like, I used to do the whole like, you know, resume, like as a graduate of Brigham Young university <laughs> with a degree in humanities, emphasizing comparative literature, which does need to be said sometimes, yeah, but not always. Right. But if people say to me, who are you? Oh, I'm an author. I write fantasy books for kids. Um, and then if they're like, oh, and what's that? Oh, this is my knitting hanging out of my purse. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> like things like that. Yes. Who are you? Well, if you're an artist, that is usually the number one thing that you are. Yeah. I'm a mom of three kids who know that they do not open the door of my office. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, I mean, we don't have to get into this, but like, you know, if the thing you are is a mom of three kids, then when those kids are adults and they're grown and they're doing their yes. own things, then your identity gets all, you need it. You need a new identity, but, yeah. but sometimes you are the mom of three kids. Like, sure. and there are people that that is their dream and that is great. I like, and that sounds terrible like that wasn't my dream I love my kids so much I I love being their mom so it is context like I say like if you're somewhere where like you know you're at a school not to talk as an author but because your kid accidentally punched another kid totally by accident no like actually that has never happened my kids are good kids but like you know if you're at the school for parent-teacher conference and your first grader refuses to read just stares at the wall instead you're not gonna go furthermore that's not about you yeah it's not about me but when people are like who are you yeah it's like i am a small dog enthusiast knitter who is a New York Times bestselling author. Yeah, I <laughs> so, love it. Who are you? Well, I think that's, You're an artist. It's <laughs> a perfect like close to that to that portion. I ask everybody one question, same question at the end, which is what's your dream project or your or my favorite, your dream collaboration. So like oh. and it like sky's so, the limit. Oh, sky's the limit. I would absolutely love to my my second published book is called sun and moon ice and snow it is so dear to my heart it is based on my favorite fairy tale east of the sun west of the moon i still east tell the it, sun. it's a song yes. did you know that oh yeah okay oh good yeah. <laughs> and i collect tune. <laughs> i collect versions of it oh and it's an aha album possibly their finest oh. but like <laughs> but it was my it's my favorite fairy tale growing up i worked on that book off and on for years like even as a teenager i'm like one day i will do this you know I would love, love to help make a movie of that. Like I've never ever, I like, I would sign away the rights to like literally anything else to anyone else because I'm not a movie maker person. I love movies, but I know that is so hard. Yeah. But I absolutely would love to work with the Jim Henson workshop on that because it is full of trolls and creatures living gargoyles a minotaur and i absolutely if 
I want the Jim Henson workshop to call me and and do that book, but I want to be on the set every day. Do you have a dream of who plays any characters? Well, it has had to change because like it's the book's right, been out like older. ten yeah. years and now they're old and stuff T- like that. Today, so, do you have a do you have a you star? Know, I have not thought about I okay. have not thought about this recently, but but um I do think that definitely, though, saying that um, she she is the, she, you know, the it's the woodcutter's youngest daughter that goes on this adventure and stuff. But her one brother, there's a thing about third brothers, you know, in fairy tales, the third brother is the miller's son that puss, puss in boots, you know, he becomes a prince and all these things. It's always the third son. So there's a thing in my book where her third brother is always the one that the mom, the mom has pinned all her hopes on. Like Mm -hmm. he's the one that's going to find gold and marry a princess and make us all rich. It's going to be him. And he's like this absolutely arrogant, full of himself thing. And he's this, he's a mighty hunter and he's very handsome and stuff. And I've always thought as said in Norway, I would absolutely just kill to have Chris Hemsworth. As soon as I saw him as Thor, (laughs) Chris Hemsworth would be so perfect (laughs) as basically like a very, very, douchey version of Thor yeah. would be perfect for that role I can see it. as in he's the Jim Henson out, movie. I love he it. He goes out to hunt this legendary beast and bring them all fortune. He's sort of, he's like Norwegian Gaston. Yeah. And I'm like, I would love to have somebody like that yeah. do that role because they think it would be so amazing. But I get so caught up in the creatures. I just, I I want nothing CGI. I want like a polar bear she can ride yeah. on like a, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Puppet. I want a yeah. Muppet. I want Muppet trolls. Like <laughs> I'm so into it. I hope that's a thing. I that would love to my see that. Dream. I've practiced my Oscar speech for best adapted screenplay for that. <laughs> We're ready for it, Jessica. Like that's the only one of my books that I've thought I would want to really adapt the screenplay because that's just seem, it seems so hard. I like recognize that that's yeah. a different skill set. But that one, I'm like, no, not my baby. I must be involved. Yeah. So like, I want it to be the Jim Henson well, project. I love it. I was hoping you would say. <laughs> I was hoping you would say a movie. Okay. Where can we find you on the internet? <laughs> I am at jessicadaygeorge.com. I uh, am on the Twitters as jessdaygeorge and on Instagram as that. And most of my Instagram is just books I am reading because I read all the time. And I actually do a newsletter. You can sign up for it on my website that is called Jessica Recommends. That is Great. entirely books that I recommend. And each month is a theme like back to school books or Halloween. And I do it for all ages. Like there's picture books. There'll be adult books. I've done, you know, magical creatures, vampires, like all kinds of things. Just like, cause I read so much, so much at one point. Goodreads. I'm also on Goodreads. Goodreads, um, actually sent me a congratulations. You're one of our top 10 reviewers because of how many books I had reviewed. I love it. I was like, Oh, it's just me and Neil Gaiman and like eight librarians. (laughs) I'm so cool. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here and oh, talking to me, me today. So it's just a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week. <laughs>